This is Pet Life Radio. Let's talk pets. Hey, hey, good morning, good morning, or good afternoon, wherever you happen to be on this somewhat overcast Sunday morning here in L.A. It's going to burn off. It always does. Actually, they say it's going to be a nice one. Anyway, you're here live with Dr. Jeff Werber, your host for the next 30 minutes here on Pet Life Radio on Instagram Live. Talk about pets. Talk about anything you want to talk about. That's why I'm here. Free advice. First of all, just try to get into your bed. Yeah, we can see you. Uh, how's two weeks from next Tuesday? Two weeks? My dog's been vomiting for three days straight. What do you mean two more weeks? So, um... Anyway, it's really hard to get to vets. So now, trust me, if you make an appointment with your vet and you have a couple of questions, they're not going to let you go out the door without paying. So uh, here it is for free. You cannot beat free. So hope everybody is well. Hope everybody had a, a good week. And let's see, next oh, next weekend is a holiday weekend. Is that right already? I will be here. I'm not going anywhere. I'll be here live. So for those of you who still need, yes, we will be here next week. So anyway, as you know, I had a couple of questions that came in already, so I'm going to get to those questions. Then we're going to talk about some of the newsy things. Um, those of you on Pet Life Radio, I asked the best with Dr. Jeff. A couple of easy ways to get a hold of me. Number one, toll-free phone, 877-385-8882. Once again, 877-385-8882. Better yet, join me here online. You can go on to Pet Life Radio, click on Shows, Ask the best with Dr. Jeff. There will be a link left for you there. Just click on the Zoom link. It is so easy. And you can join me. And those of you here, uh, you can ask me your questions now. I see you got a couple right away. And um, we'll be happy to answer your questions. And always you can get a hold of me. Send me messages here on Pet Life Radio or on Instagram. I am pretty good at getting to my messages. Maybe not always so timely, but I I will get to them. So uh, first of all, one couple came in. We wanted to talk about dentistry on a boxer. The morning I had a question about teeth cleaning for my boxer. Is once a year sufficient? Also, I brush the teeth almost daily. Well, first of all, congrats. You are one of a handful of people that brush their pest teeth every day. Love to hear that. I am not even in that handful. So uh, truth be told, but that is great. Here's how it works. Just so you understand that technically how we get from eating to tartar, tartar or calculus. So number one, after eating, there's plaque left on the teeth. Plaque is just film. It's a food film. And when you brush teeth regularly, you're going to get that film away, which is why for us, brushing our teeth, not only regularly, but very regularly, a couple of times a day, getting all that film away. Hopefully most of us go in once every six months for teeth cleaning, but you know, and maybe once a year if you're lucky, if you're unlucky like I am, I go in every quarter, but, but I've never had a root canal, knock on wood. So I'm doing whatever I'm doing, I'm doing okay. But Bacteria and saliva work on that plaque if it's still on the tooth surface, and that's what creates tartar. That's why you get that thick, thick debris on the mouth. So if you brush your teeth regularly, and then the next factor is age. Another factor is the breed and the size of the dog. For some reason, the smaller dogs tend to have lousier teeth. So the small breeds like the, the Maltese, the Yorkies, the, the Silkies, the Chihuahuas, the Pomeranians, they get really, really, really bad teeth. So they probably need teeth cleaning definitely twice a year, or if not more. A big dog where you're brushing daily, I would imagine once a year should be okay. Look at the teeth. But the great news is that you're doing a great job, obviously. Now, as dogs get older, even though those dogs that were only getting their teeth professionally cleaned once a year, they might need it every six months or nine months. So 
just keep an eye on the mouth, lift up. Don't look at these teeth. These teeth usually are fine. It's way back there. The premolars and the molars, those are the ones that collect most of the, 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 the plaque, and the plaque turns into tartar. Why here? Why back here? Because remember, saliva is one of the ingredients, one of the reasons that plaque becomes tartar, and the other is bacteria. Well, bacteria are all over the mouth, but where does the salivary ducts empty into the mouth? Right over those hind teeth. So therefore, that's why there's so much saliva there, and it's always coming out there, which is why those teeth seem to be worse. Yes, we do nail trimming. In case you want to come by tomorrow in the morning, we can do that after nine o'clock and we can trim nails. And um, Nelly, why don't we talk about dog's heartbeat? This is a good one. So I got a question and someone was worried that their dog's beat was very irregular. And so I spoke to her and said, just so you know, dog's normal beat is what's called a sinus arrhythmia. When we're normal, we're doing okay. You can take a pulse. You can set a clock to our beats. It's ba-bum, ba-bum. Ba-bum, 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 ba-bum. Monotonous, the exact same. A dog is ba-bum, 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 ba-bum. I mean, it's a normal rate, but it's it's an arrhythmia. And um, it has a lot to do with their breathing, their movement, etc. So just so you know, when you have that, what we often do is we put a, a, a finger down on the femoral pulse, the femoral artery, and we just want to make sure when the heart beats, you're feeling the pulse. Heart beats, so you might go to feel the same, same thing. You'll feel the pulsating in that same rhythm that the heart is beating, and that then is normal. It's a sinus arrhythmia. So when we're listening, we're just not listening just for the rhythm. We're listening for murmurs, irregular beats, okay? And that's why a lot of times we'll do an EKG strip at the same time, is every beat generating a pulse. And that's why we don't have sitting with it. We're not hooked up to an EKG every time we're feeling. Thus, we put our fingers on the femoral artery. And that's how we tell. If we're getting a heartbeat, but nothing's happening here, that's a missed beat. That probably might be something to be of concern. So anyway, that is really cool what we see. Oh, boy. This is a great question. I'm afraid to answer it. But what does an ethical breeder do when they have a puppy with birth defects? So let me go backwards, first of all and tell you what was done in the past. If you notice, you don't see, or back in the day, we did not see a lot of white shepherds. We had a white shepherd. Do you know why? Well, because a white shepherd is an anomaly, one that any breeder didn't want anybody to know that their gene line from whatever the combination of that dam and sire was created a white shepherd, and they would put them to sleep, all right? Let's talk about silver labs, which is a defect an anomaly of a chocolate. And again, back in the day, put them to sleep. So they did not want, a legitimate breeder did not want the representation that their dogs weren't always perfect. Very frightening. So now, well, let's talk about what kind of birth defects. If it's a really, really bad birth defect, and we know that this puppy is going to have a terrible life, yes, most likely will be put to sleep. If it is something that's fixable, let's take a, a hair lip or a cleft palate, in a bulldog, for example, I fix those, and they do great. If it is a, a deformed leg, well, three-legged dogs are fine. So you just do an amputation, and they do great. So it really depends on where the breeder is coming from and what is a specific defect. Is it something that's life-threatening? Is it something that's going to be a give this poor dog a horrendous quality of life? Then uh, they probably would like put it to sleep. Now let's talk about, for example, cats with cerebral hypoplasia. 
That is a hypoplasia of the brain, the cerebellum. And I got to tell you, they look like they're drunk. They're happy as can be. They're eating. They're falling all over the place when they walk. But they are so cute. And so that would probably be saved nowadays. So I think even the ethical breeders are becoming less concerned about what other people might think. And they're doing what they think is the right thing to do. And that is obviously you know, allow them to live. For a quick toenail, as long as you know we've been seeing you within the last six months, and no problem. Let's see. Ah, so this is good. Um, the the, the uh, boxer's owner, mom, Martina, she uses an electric toothbrush and he loves it. So if you're going to do something like that, by the way, fantastic. But start them young because you, you don't want them to you go at them with a, a, that sound right away. That might be tough. But if it's a, an electric toothbrush, it doesn't make a terrible sound. Could be pretty good. I like it. I like it. All right. Ah, good afternoon from Detroit. Yep, it's afternoon in Detroit. And uh, let's see, Jack Russell, the lead brush your teeth, get her once you're cleaning. Give her that. That's good. So again, New York Yankee 7 states, uh, Jack Russell will let the teeth be brushed every day. She gets a cleaning once a year. That is perfect. If you can just go in once a year, professional cleaning, and brush the teeth on a regular, daily, or every other day basis, that is going to work. Oh, it says, well, will or won't let me just, it will not let, oh, she will not let me brush her teeth. Ah, well, now that's, that's a completely different story. There are ways that I've demonstrated before. You can actually get a dog to not mind that much. I take dogs that are in my office. I am like a total stranger. I'm the bad guy. I'm the vet. I'm giving the shots, right? I put them on my lap. I don't face them at me. I face them away. So now they're looking away from me. And I come from behind like I'm petting them and I am. And I slowly pull back the gum and start rubbing the teeth just a little bit from behind. All right. They're on your lap. They're nice and comfy. And they do. They do really well. And then you just keep doing it a little longer each time, a little longer. Put some of the paste on. It's, it's a, usually a flavored toothpaste. And then they get used to it. Then you put the finger brush on with the real bristles. And you start doing that as far as you get is doing the finger brush. Screw the toothbrush. You don't need a toothbrush. The finger brush is fine. Then you're good. So uh, there are ways to get them used to it, but you got to make it fun and start slow. All right. You don't want to start really right away with going for 15 minutes. If you get five seconds, you're doing great. And then, then you do seven seconds. Next time you do 10 seconds, you just a little bit more each time. And every time you make it fun. Oh my God, this is so good. And right when you're done, give them their treat. So it's just getting them used to it, positive reward, positive reinforcement, and they do really, really well. Anyway, let me go. Um, while you're thinking of things to talk about, I'm going to go through things that is that sort of struck me. First of all, how hot is too hot? We've talked about this a lot, and I just want to tell you, we just had a patient that that a one-year-old Sharpay that was up at we have a canyon called Runyon Canyon, and the dog was doing great. I saw a video of the dog, right, doing great, happy as can be happy because they're doing what they love to do. But if it's in the middle of the day, which it was, and it was a hot day, you don't realize that they are working at it. And then the panty became worse. At one point, his owner called her and called her again. Uh-oh, we're thinking, where is she? And then she finally comes running, but she's staggering. And at his feet, she collapsed, rushed her in. P.S. Severe heat stroke. Blood values were horrendous. And she ended up passing. So I'm telling you guys, it is so important to read your dogs. Do not, do not run them in the middle of the day, not until early, early morning, 7, 7.30 in the morning, okay, and maybe 7.30, at night once the sun is down, the ground isn't as hot, but still multiple stops, plenty of water. And because 
I mean, literally, when we say it's a killer, we mean just that. It is a killer. Okay, next up. L.A. County, it might happen in other counties as well, offering free SARS-CoV-2 testing for pets showing signs of COVID-19 or who may have been exposed to a person or another animal who tested positive. We are seeing some rare cases now in dogs. We used to think they would just get it, maybe could carry it to another dog or a person if they within minutes of being exposed. Now there are some cases of dogs apparently being sick, mild uprest. We have no case of dogs passing away from it, but it is uh, something that we do see it. This is scary. This next one, pay attention. There has been a new disease ravaging through central and northern Michigan that appears to be just like a parvovirus. Some of the better tests at Michigan State University confirm a positive parvo. Some of the, the, the in-house test kits that vets use were not showing positive on the parvo, but it could be because if this is a new strain, a very virulent strain, it, that DNA has not been infiltrated in the test kits yet, so it's not picking them up. It's not reading them. But the more extensive, comprehensive testing done at a university is picking the uh, strain up. So if your dog, even though it's well vaccinated for parvo, is showing signs of violent vomiting, diarrhea, lethargy, weakness, bloody diarrhea, not wanting to eat, etc., get him or her to your veterinarian ASAP or an emergency facility, get them on fluids, and it must be treated like a severe, severe case of parvo. In fact, we had a, a little puppy that passed, and I don't know where it came from, but it may have been Midwest, and it, it had a really bad case of parvo, and well, it did test positive, so we knew it was parvo, but, and it passed. Again, regular parvo puppies can pass it as well, but anyway, it was, um, it's pretty screened. So I, we may have talked about this before, but don't be fooled by reading the ingredients of something that is sugar-free, right, or sugarless, and it uses birch sugar, because everyone's going to say, oh, birch sugar, it's a natural sugar, probably comes from a birch tree, and uh, oh, that's good. No, no, not good. Birch sugar is xylitol, and it's really getting the veterinary community up in arms right now, that if, tell it like it is, because people are not, they are, we've in, inundated with information about xylitol. Read labels, sugarless gum, sugarless candy, sugarless peanut butter. If it says xylitol, do not feed it to your dogs. And all of a sudden now, these companies are coming out with birch sugar. Who does that? So it's very misleading. Birch sugar is not sugar. It is xylitol. So um, anyway, just as they say, be careful out there. All right, we're going to go into our quick break, but we'll be back after these short words from our sponsors. Mark, take it away. Take a bite out of your competition. Advertise your business with an ad in Pet Life Radio podcasts and radio shows. There is no other pet-related media that is as large and reaches more pet parents and pet lovers than Pet Life Radio. With over 7 million monthly listeners, Pet Life Radio podcasts are available on all major podcast platforms. And our live radio stream goes out to over 250 million subscribers on iHeartRadio, Odyssey, TuneIn, Stitcher, and other streaming apps. For more information on how you can advertise on the number one pet podcast and radio network, visit PetLifeRadio.com slash advertise today. Let's talk pets. Let's talk pets. On Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com. Pet 
And we're back live here on Pet Life Radio and on Instagram Live. Well, I've been live on Instagram the whole time. So anyway, thanks. We're back. This is interesting. Cats who are given meat-based diets and ample playtime, for those of you who have indoor-outdoor cats, listen up, are less likely to hunt while outdoors. And it's when they are hunting is when they often get into trouble. That's when they're running across that street. The hunter is a raccoon that's going to eat the you know what out of it. That's where they're going to get hit by cars and they're going to get in fights with other cats or with the hunt dead. So by giving them ample meat diets, which cats are obligate carnivores, hitting that level of satiety, satiated, that's the word, yeah. So, and then once they're satisfied, then they don't want to hunt so much. They'll go outside and they'll roam and they'll find their favorite tree and grass, but they won't hunt. And uh, so that's very important. So make sure that for your indoor my cats, I have five, they are only indoor and therefore I don't have to worry about that. Plus they eat really well. Anyway, in fact, people will probably tell me that two of mine eat too well, but it's hard to put them on a diet. Yeah, five cats eating at the same time. You know what? I mean, not they're obese, but they're, they're chunky, chunky. Okay. You ever been taken in by your puppy's dog eyes? You know, that, that sad look, right? And, you know, it hits you right away. You know, you just, it just kills you. So interestingly, there is a muscle that domesticated dogs have that their wolf ancestors don't. It's a, it's a big word. It's the levator anguli oculi medialis muscle. Okay. And um, it, it elevates the lid and it also brings it together. And so it gives them that sad look like, oh. And um, anyway, it's interesting. It hits us and they know it. They know it. You call them over to you and oh, you poor thing, give me a, let me give you a hug. And then you give them a treat. And they say, boy, that was great. I'm doing that expression again. So wolves, interestingly, don't have it. Now they have some muscles around their lips as dogs do as well. But in dogs, they're what's called fast twitch muscles. And in the wolves, that same muscle is a slow twitch muscle. So I'll tell you, our domesticated dog is because of us. Those dogs learned what worked and what didn't work. The breeders, the people that were breeding these dogs, right? They were used for working centuries and centuries and centuries ago. So what they do is they say, who, who do they keep to breed? Obviously, the ones that tore at their heartstrings. So those now dogs put these features into their offspring, who then put it to their offspring. And before you know it, it's all dogs. So have it. So I, I think that's kind of kind of cool. So that, that explains that look that they give you. And it's because of this muscle. Also, another story that I kind of thought was pretty cool, that dogs and cats influence human nature differently. All right. So I kind of get this. So I'm, that, maybe that's why I'm so mixed up because I have both. And uh, one is dogs are basically, they're more eager and reward oriented, which they are. And anyone who has dogs knows that that is very true, very reward oriented, very eager. Cats, on the other hand, are more cautious and risk averse. They don't want to take a chance. They're much smarter than a dog when it comes to this. And uh, they will weigh all the possibilities before jumping and doing it. Whereas my dogs, no, no, no. It's like my Labrador, he eats it first, then asks questions later. Whereas a cat, oh my God. Even if it's never, they've never seen it before, they're going to go up to it. They're going to sniff it. They might tap it. They want to make sure that it's going to be safe. So anyway, so they're more cautious. Now, how does that affect us? Well, it seems like cat people, all right, more owners have more tendency to make more conservative financial decisions and dog owners say, oh, what the hell? It looks good on paper. Let's go for it. And uh, so maybe from an investment standpoint, you should ask your friends who have cats, what would you do? But I think that's, when you think about it, that's fairly amazing that, that well, first of all, their differences, not so much their difference. We know they're different. Those of us that have both 
we could see that. Those that had both or had one at a time and now have the other, you know, it's clear as day. But the fact that it impacts us, that it changes our behavior based on you know, what we like and, and who lives with us, that's pretty amazing. All right, another a question about how often should the blood work be done? Never did it with my dog. He's almost 10, but he's very healthy, healthy so far. Okay, so this is where I'm going to change your thinking. First of all, I am not one that panics. I do not, in normal healthy dogs, unless we are going through a procedure where we need some blood test to make sure they're healthy. But as far as what we call routine lab work, no procedure necessary, just coming in because it's that time. For large breed dogs, it's seven for me. And for small breeds and cats, it's eight or maybe nine. 10-year-old dog is overdue for routine lab work, including blood work, checking the organs, checking the red cells and the white cells, which would give us an idea of the bone marrow, its production, checking the fecal, checking the urine, right, for urine, urine uh, abnormalities. Because right now you say, okay, he's been very healthy so far. Healthy based on what? What parameter now are you using healthy? Because he's acting fine? Well, there are a lot of very sick dogs. I just talked about that dog who died 10 hours later, who was running around acting totally fine. Meanwhile, he was literally decomposing inside out. And his blood work, I've never seen some values this high. So we don't know. And cats, cats are even worse. They hide and hide their illnesses. They do not let them show until it's too late. Let me give you just one thing to think about, okay? And that is that kidneys, before an animal will start showing signs, outward signs of kidney disease, two-thirds, well, three-quarters to two-thirds of their kidneys are gone. Meaning you could be running on one-third of a kidney, even one-quarter of a kidney, all right? And you could be fine, right? very healthy. But you take that blood work and you say, oh my God, I can't believe it. How many times have I done blood work on animals that were fine, healthy, and we found a number of abnormalities and um, some subtle things you may not think of. For example, early diabetes, early hyperthyroidism, early hypothyroidism, right? Early kidney disease. You may not see anything outwardly because dogs and, and pets don't typically complain because they know that in the wild, what would happen to a pet that showed outward signs of an illness? They were a sitting duck for a predator. It's sort of in their genetic makeup. Just go with it. I know I'm limping. I got that bag. I'm just going to, I'm going to muddle along. And that's what they need to do to survive. So when we have animals that seem okay at that age, I'd be surprised if that lab work didn't pick up some things and not just some things that, that are normal, but things that are abnormal that could be helped through diet, through medication, through supplements. So other treatments. So it's very important for a 10-year-old dog that to get him or her in, uh, this one is a he, and despite the fact that he's healthy, that's great that he's healthy. Here's what I say all the time in a case like this. Would you rather do the test, okay, and find out that everything's perfect, you probably didn't need to, or don't do the test because you think everything's perfect and find out there were a lot of preventive problems in those labs, right? I guarantee in the second possibility, you're going to kick yourselves in the behind. Darn it, I should have taken him in. So I'm not saying we're talking about a five-year-old healthy dog. I'm talking 10. So anything really over eight for a small, seven, get in the habit once a year of a full physical exam, including lab work, including your analysis, and I, you, you basically can extend his or her life. So early knowledge. Knowledge is king. We say it in everything. Knowledge is king. It's better to know than to think you know. Thinking you know is what gets you into trouble.
Anyway, that's all we have time for today. Thank you for joining. Thank you so much, everybody, for putting up with my extra half-hour delay here on both shows. Next week, we'll be back at the same time. That's 9 a.m. in the West and noon in the East and anything in between. Uh, you know your time zones. You know how to prepare. So, uh, again, thank you so much for joining me. Great having you on the show. By the way, during the week, if anyone has any kind of any questions, anything that you would like to know about, anything you'd like me to talk about on the show, something that you've been going through with your pet that you believe would be helpful for other people to know about, those are the things I love to talk about, A, to educate you, but better yet, to prevent some of these problems in your pets at home. So, once again, Mark, thank you so much, and we will uh, see you all back here next week, 9 a.m. in the West and noon in the East. Have a wonderful week, everybody, and uh, have a fun day today, Sunday. Let's Talk Pets, every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com.